Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings, comrades, and this is going to be a very special episode. You see, I came upon a treasure trove, and, and yeah, my Stalin episode is almost done, and it's basically ready, I just have to record it, but while researching for that episode, I was, you know, looking around for some communist account on Stalin, and what did the communists say in their speeches about him for future episodes, and just to get the sidegeist of, of the whole era, and I was doing this, and I asked Dad for help, and he agreed. And he brought with himself some books. And, and trust me, like I said, the Stalin show is basically ready. I just have to record it. It's all written down. But, but oh boy, I simply had to share this while I'm still holding the documents in my own hands. It's crazy. It's the weirdest thing ever. See, what I have here are some propaganda articles from the local magazines. Basically, from our central Latvian magazine of Communist Party, Sine. And I also hold into my hands some accounts on the peace conferences organized in, in Warsaw, organized by Stalin, which were also reported verbatim in these newspapers. And, you know, I knew before that the uh, anti-American propaganda, like anti-West propaganda in general, was was huge in the USSR. But I simply could not believe how crazy it was, how insane it was. It was just, just maddening. And, and so we made this episode uh, where I, I'm gonna speak very little actually. I'm not gonna be giving you my own opinion. I will be basically reading you quotes from Soviet anti-American propaganda, both from the protocols of these basically propagandist peace conferences and from, from what the newspapers actually wrote at about year 1950-1951. Yeah, those are the two years that we're looking at. <laughs> they were supposed to be there for a future show, Stalin's still ruling everything, but um, but yeah, these things just stunned me so much, and it just seems so interesting that I'll, I will allow myself to skip over Stalin for, for one, and, and just, just present you with this. A PDRP, a new, brand new PDRP is also incoming soon, but that's that's sort of separate from the Stalin series. But uh, but yeah, I am just so stunned because I did the research for my Stalin episode for like a week 
or more. I have been working hard on this, and my dad just arrived this morning, and as of this recording, I have been sitting 10 hours writing script and then recording this episode. And it's crazy. This is just something that you just have to hear and have to understand, because this is the most complete thing that I can give you about how the United States were represented in the communist propaganda. Also, also, if you're going to have this cringe feeling in the stomach while listening to this, that's perfectly normal. I had it too while I was reading these and while my dad was pointing them out to me and telling me about this. It's just there. Oh, and also, if you if you burst out in laughter, that's also perfectly normal because uh, it was hard for me to do this episode even. I just laughed half of the time and it was just crazy. But... You have to remember that at that time, when the, when these things were published in the most mainstream newspapers of the Latvian SSR, you could go to gulags and uh, have some neat conversations with the nice man from the KGB if you so much as to snicker about it. Oh, by the way, nice man from the KGB, uh, they, they had this official definition by Dzerzhinsky, no less, the creator of Cheka. <clears throat> they were, quote, men with cold hearts, hot... <clears throat> They were men with cold heads, hot hearts, and clean hands. So yeah, <laughs> weird. And again, everything that you're going to hear here are like real speeches and real articles. This is not a parody. This is not something invented to make it look outlandish. This is, this is what it is. This comes from Soviet published books and newspapers, where in all seriousness this stuff was collected in for posterity. Also, yeah. This is crazy, and uh, my main source here is one of the more prof- prolific authors of the Soviet era, Anna Saxe. She was a Latvian writer, Latvian Soviet writer, born in 1905, and she lived through the Soviet era and became one of the most respected propagandists for the Soviets. She had also written a bunch of, like, actually really good children's books, like books for children where she put her soul in and they were like really sweet and romantic and I enjoyed them as like a kid but at the same time she gave her all to the Soviet government she gave her all basically just writing this propaganda nonsense and utter weird well bullshit I do have to say bullshit now I I tried to swear less on my more recent shows of kind of matured as a podcaster but uh yeah, this is the point in my life where this uh, this rude term describes what's going on there best than anything else. No, seriously. And 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 it's kind of tragic as one of my childhood authors, which I remember, turns out to be a massive Soviet shell. But then again, it, it is just so ridiculous and so funny that I just wanted you to hear all this, and I hope you'll enjoy this. So here we go. So, this is uh, Anna Saxe in her speech in the second all-union conference by the lovers of peace in Moscow in 1950. This is the first of the two conferences she'll participate in. The first one was in Moscow in that year, the other one was in Warsaw, but uh, this is from her Moscow conference. Quote, We all know that the American aggressors, the direct students of Hitler, as robbers, have broken in Korea, and they are stealing and destroying everything in this peaceful land. American invaders don't spare the blood of the infants and the elderly. They are killing 100,000 peaceful denizens in their concentration camps and prisons. That means nothing to them. And they also do not care about dropping deadly bombs on schools and hospitals. We see what a terrible, huge divide 
exists there between those filthy scientists who have sold themselves out to the capitalists from the proud and honorable Soviet scientist. Those on the other side of the ocean have focused their distorted, wicked brain energy towards the efforts of perverse extermination of the people and the worship of death. To compare, our Soviet scientists walk hand in hand with life, successfully defeat death, make the lives of people easier, better, and happier. And this is crazy, but this is this is the moon where we're going to be going with all of this. It's going to be just, just, just crazy. And this is her speech in the Moscow conference about which she writes surprisingly little, really. Uh, the next one that we're going to talk about that happened in the same year is the Peace Congress in Warsaw in 1950. Because uh, that was the big one. The Moscow Peace Conference was the one where Stalin kind of prepared for these peace talks and everything. But in the Warsaw Conference, he really, really tried to hurt hurt the, the United States and NATO countries in general. Uh, what we know now as NATO countries. He hurt everyone by, by basically just hurting the international relationships and, and creating a huge propaganda debacle. But yeah... We have her and other eyewitness accounts on this occasion, and uh, it's going to get even worse. And um, I'm quoting here again. <clears throat> Especially moving is the thankfulness of the, of the people of Warsaw to the Soviet army for the Soviet liberation of their city. Even though everyone is busy in the hectic work of constructions, the Polish peoples have decided that their number one duty was to build a monument, an exquisite cemetery, to Comrade Stalin and the brave Soviet soldiers. And that's um, that's ridiculously funny because what I do have to mention here that um, that you know there was a Warsaw uprising, of course, and the Soviet armies didn't interfere at all. So when the peoples of Warsaw tried to resist their their Nazi oppressors and they had risen up, um, the Soviets just stayed on the other side of the Vistula River. the The Polish Polish people had expected some help, maybe even though they would have fight fought the Soviets um, Soviets too later on, because they were no commies; they were really patriotic Polish people. But the Soviet armies just sat around on the other side of Whistler River and really didn't care what was going on, while the Nazis carefully and cheerfully suppressed everything that was going on in Warsaw. So now, I do have to say that as much as Anna Sachs would like to say, the Soviet soldiers are not extremely popular in Poland, especially if you count all the war crimes that they did. But yeah, this just this just goes on. And this is just... You know, this is the way, what I, what I want to show you is about how people were just basically plastered with propaganda. Another speech from this Peace Congress in Warsaw is from Professor Joliot Curie. <clears throat> Quote, Why don't the Americans fight against cancer, tuberculosis, and other terrible diseases with the same zeal and resources as they dedicate to military industry? But the scumbag Truman will never answer this question, of course. Because then he would have to openly admit that war is business for the American nation. Oh, and we're, we're, we're just on the soft side here. Uh, here's another rice report from the diaries about this uh, peace congress, which I just stumbled upon. And uh, thank you to my dad. He just drew my attention to this. <clears throat> Quote. The fifth day of the Warsaw Peace Congress made me especially happy. It was truly full with adventures. In the morning session, a Korean delegate... Pak Den I gave a speech. 
The love of all the peoples of the world towards the Korean people, who have suffered immensely, expresses itself clearly when, after her speech, the whole hall erupted with long, loud chants and applauses, and everyone was yelling, Kim Ir Sen! Kim Ir Sen! Wow, this is just great, isn't it? Anyway, uh, the report continues. Pak Den I told us about the immense, achievement, immense achievements of the North Koreans in the last five years, which have been achieved with the help of the friendly hand of the Soviet Union. At the same time, North Koreans, with worries and pain in their eyes, have looked upon their miserable, suffering brothers in South Korea, where Americans have set up their signature fascist regime, which is even more horrendous and terrible than the evil imperialistic Japanese regime ever was. Americans have turned South Korea into their colony. They are exploiting the people and stealing the wealth of the land. In the name of humanistic aid, they are also flooding the market with useless capitalist merchandise, which nobody buys. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And this just carries on, you guys. During the daytime, American soldiers under the command of their filthy officers rob Korean museums, stealing paintings, sculptures, and jewelry. Seeing that they can't eliminate the spirit of freedom from the Korean people, because the people want such a happy and prosperous life like the North Koreans have, Americans have coerced and urged Lee Si-man's fascists to attack North Korea, and then they have invented the false evil lie that North Korea are the real aggressors. Koreans, however, are completely convinced on the, of the triumph of their, of their just cause. It is so because the best sons of the neighboring Chinese nation have joined in volunteer armies to help crush the evil American invaders who want to eliminate the Korean peoples and invade China. Note, however, here that uh, there's nothing about Chinese army. No, 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 it's just all volunteers, they have their own guns and everything, and they are just volunteering to help the proud Korean people. And this was everywhere. And this was just literally everywhere. And people, some people used to believe this. But yeah, to finish this off. <clears throat> and to finish her speech, this uh, Pak Denai basically states, quote, <clears throat> Let everyone hear that the Korean people are locked together with their beloved leader, Kim Il-sen, and that they shall defend every square foot of their country at any cost of blood. And after this, after this, after all this nonsense, Pak Denai was, according to our eyewitness, <clears throat> quote, Surrounded on all sides by beloved delegates of every country, people were crying, 
women were hugging her and kissing her. Then they raised her in their arms and carried her to the presidium where the president of the convention shook her arm. I don't even know, this is just beyond propaganda, man. This is just so beyond my wildest imaginations. But honestly speaking, it's gonna get worse. This is the most realistic part of, the script, part of this, this whole report. And you might not believe me, but yeah, I, I offer you to send all the photocopies that I have of these documents here, because, uh... Wow, <laughs> this is gonna get really worse. Basically, dear comrades, you simply cannot cannot even comprehend how difficult and hard it was to translate all of this, because this wasn't written by someone who's a political engineer or anything. No, 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 this was... This was written by a writer and a journalist who used to write children's books, who used to live through all of our independent Latvia, and who just was massively paid by the Soviet government and threatened by that too. But translating this and writing the script, it was... I mean, it's hard to read it now with a straight face. I'm, I'm literally recording this in five-minute parts and taking a laugh in the background. But, uh, oh boy. You literally can't make up anything that could beat this. I mean, I have watched SNL skits about Soviet propaganda on the Americans, and they don't even go this far. Because this is just crazy. And, and for one, like, the Russian patriarch, Nikolai, was there, was there too. And his speech, according to eyewitnesses, and multiple ones, not just Anne Sachs this time. Uh, his speech received a monumental, massive applause by the people in the conference. And this is what he said in his speech. <clears throat> woe, woe to the American war hawks. If they, while having lost their minds in their anger and blindness, will push the, push the world in the abyss of a new disaster, the blood of the whole humanity shall fall upon their heads. And not only themselves will not be able to avoid bloody vengeance, but also their names shall be cursed forever with more terrible curses than Cain and Judas, for they are sinners. Terrible, terrible sinners. So yeah, the general mood of all this is that the red states, you know, you, you guys in the, on the modern internet and everywhere, you just like to compare everything with Hitler. In Soviet era, the United States was not just Hitler. Hitler was, like, small conversation pieces. Uh, you were the devil incarnate. Well, by you I mean American listeners here, but that's like 80, 80% of everyone, so sorry guys, but I love everyone. <clears throat> Anyways, the United States was treated as completely evil. All of them, mind you. All of them. And everything that they did was, well, obviously coming just from pure malice and hatred of all that is good and kind and nice. Oh yeah, and by the way, this is a peace conference that we're talking about. Stalin's peace conference, yeah, because Stalin obviously defended peace with uh, all his might, so to speak. At any rate, the well-known peace apologist Hewlett Johnson from the United Kingdom, with bitterness, spoke about the actions that his government had taken about the defenders of peace. Oh, and um, this is not an air quote, this is literally what all these guys are saying. <clears throat> uh, this is the report. He remembered his visits in the East, where he had seen with his very eyes that the East thinks about peace, talks about peace, and is planning for peace. He reminded everyone to us, everyone of us here that during the last four years, the USSR had been calling for world peace four times already. He said, quote, In the day when everyone in the world will finally start talking about peace, the United States shall be faced with an economic catastrophe. 
And another other person, hero of the socialist labor, Kolkhoz member Rishkova from the USSR also makes an appearance. Quote, We the Soviet people don't have any bad feelings towards anyone. But if someone will even try to touch us, then terrible things shall happen to them. And uh, according to the eyewitness, and this is going to be a direct quote again, quote, She finished her speech about a tale on her kolkhoz where people gave all their strength, passion, and everything they've grown to develop peace and motherland. Our eyewitness and participant of this congress, Anna Sachse, writes in her account here, It was specifically stated in this conference that the capitalists were afraid of peace. This is directly evidenced by a disturbing event in the Canadian Parliament when, according to the people in the Congress, and folks, you really should get, like, ready for this, because we, we by now know that the United States is the devil, and there are and, and there are some, like, actually quite valid criticisms that could be made about that country. Well, obviously not to this level, and not to this insanity, but, you know, US has its flaws. But at any rate, here's the report of this evil, evil event about the fascist Canadian government. Quote, The Canadian Parliament deputies were running in fear through the corridors and the basement of their building when they found out the parade doors were locked because young teenagers and also mothers with their children had appeared outside the Parliament building. They had arrived to inform the Parliament about how the people want peace and when they wanted to talk with the Parliament. But at the same time, the newspapers of Ottawa and the police had started screaming that the communists are assaulting the parliament. End quote. But the Canadians, obviously, aren't the only scum of the earth that are working with the evil, evil Americans. There is also a Brazilian delegate, one Elisa Branco Fialo, who had apparently been sentenced to four years and three months in Brazil in prison during the time of this conference. Her representative read her letter from the prison. It's a letter that's mostly addressing the Brazilian women and fooled with Russian propaganda, and she writes there, quote, From the news that I get while in prison, I see that new dangers of a great war between the United States and Soviet Union are increasing daily. Also, the corrupt Brazilian government's dependence from the United States is increasing too. The United States, who are responsible for most of the suffering that's befallen to many countries of the world, that worries me a lot, because that's, this just means death to our youth. Another gem comes from the Soviet delegate, the leader of the Tuberculosis Institute of the Soviet Academy of Medical Sciences, Comrade Zinaida Lebedeva. She says, The stones of Auschwitz are screaming. Look, look at what awaits humanity if the Hitlerian fanboys and imitators, the Americans, will succeed at starting a new world war. <laughs> yeah, and you might find this completely silly by now, because this is just gonna go down, down, down the drain, literally. But even this doesn't beat another Soviet delegate, Ilya Ehrenburg. Quote, A huge weight lies on our shoulders. We have to take responsibility about the children, about the dark and the light ones. Yeah, I guess he's talking about Caucasians and black people, but this is, uh, this is verbatim, which I just literally translated. So yeah, mm. about those in London, Moscow, Paris, and Beijing, about those in the skyscrapers of New York, and those in the ruins of Korea, 
We're convinced that with the help of every honest person on the planet, we shall be able to guard the peace and contain the warmongers. More and more powers of peace have been gathered around the main guardian of peace, the, you know, the, the USSR. Their peacekeeping army grows ever larger. We believe that peace will win one day, because in the fight for peace, we are being led by the very same man who led our armies, all of our brave nation, to the historical victories in the Second World War. We believe in peace, and we shall work for peace. Because obviously, <laughs> obviously, Stalin was peace incarnate, and trusting Stalin to bring peace to your nation is just the greatest thing ever that you could possibly do. Obviously. Now, the very last delegate of the Warsaw Peace Congress, as reported here, is a Paraguayan member, Yefraim Morel. He talks about the inhuman, terrible actions that the American-supported Paraguayan government is committing against the local defenders of peace. And apparently, he caused a huge ruckus and huge shocked moment in um, in the whole conference when he raised a blood-stained shirt and showed it to everyone. And then he stated that it was owned by a student, Marian Roque Alonso, and that the student was tortured and killed by the <clears throat> fascist, evil, American-supported oppressors just for his fight for peace. And uh, on the socks adds here in her commentary another uh, another saying, which is basically shame to Paraguay. Now, analyzing all this situation here, I do have to say that uh, obviously Paraguayan fascists were of the humanistic kind, or you know, at least not quite good at opp oppressing people, not being competent enough. If if a random dude can just go over there and grab the bloody shirt of a poor tortured student or something, and then just leave the country with it. I mean, how do you even get that? But then again, these are the kind of questions that um, that really nobody cares about, because uh, they interfere with the truth, which is a lie, but uh, hey, if you have a bloodstained shirt of a martyr, of a communist martyr from Paraguay, then obviously, obviously the United States are the devil. Makes total sense, you guys. But this uh, this whole charade marches on, however. See, Anna Saxa was among the most prominent Latvian propagandists who worked with the Soviet authorities. She wrote a ton, and I mean a ton, of garbage for the press and was uh, deemed by the Soviets to be completely loyal. So, she wrote a bunch of articles and managed to visit countries while being a Soviet Union delegate at this Stalinist era, which was a really crazy thing. It was mostly used for propaganda. Anyhow... Of course, after reading about all this marvelous conference and all these just great quotes that I just dug out for you guys, I just decided that I had to dig deeper. For one, here you will have some excerpts from the article that she wrote just, just after the previously mentioned peace conference when she just had returned home. And I quote here, quote, The Soviet people, with great happiness in their minds, understand that everyone's looking at our country, at the proudly shining star of the Kremlin. The views of all the common, honest workers of the planet are looking in its direction. And then further on in the text. <clears throat> the realities of life speak for themselves. Here, in the Soviet Union, despite the massive destruction caused by the war, the quality of life increases daily, while in the capitalist countries, the ration of the common worker gets worse and worse every day. And of course, 
In the capitalist countries, those who want peace get locked up in prisons. They are being shot, and the press tries to portray them as traitors. So, supporting peace is considered being a traitor in capitalist countries. But this does not scare nor Italians, nor the French, nor the Japanese, nor the Indians. Millions upon millions signed the Stockholm Peace Accord and made sure that Truman's and Italy's criminal organization didn't dare to turn their vile threats into reality. The imperialists are forced to see how unpopular and hated is war among their peoples. That's why they put lamp masks on their jackals' faces, like the sectarian cultist that, Trump, that Truman is. And they are trying to t trick everyone by telling the world that they too stand for peace. But the world sees just what kind of a peace they want. They have, in the name of the United Nations, they have the imperialists have stru struck against the people of Korea, China, and Vietnam. We see what kind of, of peace the Americans and the British are preparing in West Germany. That's just crazy. Like, can you even start to comprehend the level of brainwashing that's gone on down, gone on down here? And then, then, like, people today, they worry about why people in Russia today think the United States are the devil to this day. It's just simply ridiculous, and this went on for 50 years. Sure, some people saw through that, well, at least most people here in the Baltics. But honestly, with insane propaganda and persecution, there, like, no doubt, were people who honestly believed this, because this was everything they had heard all of their lives. And especially, like, we had autonomy here in the Baltics, so we are treated much more fairly, and we we managed to get uh, the, the, how was this, Radio Free Europe and the Voice of America in our, in our pirated radios, but other people didn't. And if, like, everything and anything you read just portrays that the capitalists are evil and that the stuff is terrible there, then you kind of start to think, well, my life's pretty bad, but it must be dreadfully worse in the capitalist countries. And this is also one of the reasons why, why, for example, when these uh, telebridges started later in the Khrushchev era, because this is, like, 1950, 1951 that we're talking about, when later in the Khrushchev era these uh, telebridges started and the, the Soviets got to speak with the Americans, they were, like, really honestly, honestly surprised that the Americans were actually people, too. They were surprised that Americans weren't these wild, blood-sucking, evil people who just wanted to destroy everything that is good and nice in the world. Because really, the propaganda machine made you look worse than Hitler and just work 24-7. They had no brakes on. They didn't care about what's truth or not. And uh, yeah, George Orwell, when he wrote 1984, you might call it satire, but it wasn't. Because this is what was going on. This is what was in the major press. And nobody cared, really. Well, those those who knew that it was a lie, they they just stayed out of it and, and told their, their family members or something. But there were, like, real people who really believed this. And uh, it's really funny and hilarious to read this right now and to translate this to you. But honestly speaking, this is just ridiculous. This is something that, that hurts me on a personal level. I mean, if you think about it, these are not just simple lies. These are dangerous lies that are being fed everywhere. And, and by using this, the Soviet power could essentially, well kind of explain why everything was bad in the USSR, because obviously those were capitalist spies. And just so you know, the workers in the other countries are having it far worse. 
But it's kind of crazy, and they're really, uh, no, the, this Anasaksa lady, which I found, which, which used to be, like, really huge, she, I, 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 I don't know, I can't really decipher the fact, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if she, like, really believed what she was telling, or was she just, you know, a, a paid shell. And it's hard to tell, because there's almost no difference. And it's crazy, and, and you can't, you can't really describe this in, in proper words or anything. You have to accept it as it's coming in, and you have to understand that this was, this was all the news. This was it. At the same time, you know, all the catastrophes and everything was ascribed to as uh, American lies, and like later on the Chernobyl catastrophe even would be like, fucked down. But the sheer amount of bravado and exaggeration that's going on here with these accusations is just crazy. And like, like I have another one. This is this one from this one comes from an article in in Pravda, which she wrote too, and uh, it's a bit crazy. And Pravda was basically mandatory reading for everyone, so people had to read this. And uh, I quote, I quote her here: <clears throat> "Quote, lucky Soviet children, you are being envied by the sons of the British coal miners and by the Indian girls who are raised for servitude. Yes." And even the children in such a wealthy and prosperous land as the United States envy you. Surely there are schools and colleges there, but those are only for the extremely rich. But hundreds of thousands of worker children are forced to skip school and work hard hours. They are forced to work impossible, bone-breaking labor since their very childhood and not even being able to attend any school whatsoever because they have to pay the debts of their ancestors. Look, let us not be like the imperialist evil Americans. And this is just, this is, this is continued, and further on from the same article, quote, And maybe, maybe we could forget all of this, if the world would no longer contain any fascists, who, just like Hitler before them, cultivate racial and national hatred, who hate and eliminate anyone with even a glimpse of progressive thought, who mass-produce ever more terrible weapons of war, occupy and annex foreign countries, and <laughs> guys, guys, prepare for this, <clears throat> supply them with Coca-Cola and movies that glorify murder, and who, being provocateurs, invaded Korea, where they, following and improving upon the means of their idol, Hitler, kill Korean children and the elderly women and the youth. Those are American fascists who... Who threaten the Soviet Union and other nations of people's democracy with nuclear and hydrogen bombs, with biological weapons and Colorado beetles. And continuing in this vein, she ends this article with, with another just, just brilliant, brilliant statement. American-funded crop factories in West Germany are again producing cannons and shells to destroy our cities. Freshly rebuilt Jalgava and Rezekne and Riga, our old capital, which has been beautified and prepared for its university once again. They want to destroy that because the workers built it and it is beautiful. Oh, and uh, if you thought that America is the only ones who get the who get called basically Nazis, then um, kind of it's mistaken too because we we visited Canada at one point here. But Sweden, by the way, yeah, Sweden gets a share too. Yes, uh, Sweden. That country who's like the most uh, tolerant and most socialist country that I know on planet Earth by this point. Well, socialist in the good sense. They, they manage to do their welfare state quite well. But yeah, uh, apparently, when our hero of this story, Anna Saxe, 
was visiting Sweden again as a member of the nomenclature in part of this peace and cooperation tour. She wrote quite a lot of nasty things about you Swedes out there. And I know that uh, some of you listen to me and I'm very thankful for that. But yeah, uh, basically, Sweden gets branded with the massive evil capitalism as well. <clears throat> and, and this is, this is uh, where things get like, start to get like really crazy. Quote. <clears throat> Due to the Marshall Plan... And because of the arms race instigated by Washington, the Swedes suffer from an increase in bread prices, from the fact that milk and butter is getting more expensive. If we take into account that a working man in Sweden has to spend about 30% of his income on rent, then there's no wonder that Swedes are deadly tired from the arms race. That swallows more than a quarter of the nation's budget. In Sweden, which hasn't seen war for 400 years, the locals from the city of Karlsbad had shown us a spot which had grown with weeds where, for about 10 years, the local government had planned to build a school. But that hasn't been done due to ineffectiveness. And later on, American propaganda is flooding Sweden. Most of the cinemas show American movies. In the bookshop windows, you can see books with murderers with guns and knives and ropes and other symbols of American romanticism. I take a look at the blonde, cute Swedish children and ask myself, why is such a terrible fate being prepared for you? Why do the shop owners, who obviously have American ties, try to breach into your spiritual world? And just just when you thought that bashing Americans would finally reach at least some, some logical conclusion, it just picks up the pace in other articles. And by this point, by the way, me and my dad, we just started to joke about how the evil American soldiers were basically playing football with dead baby heads whom they have killed and then they had drunk all their blood and, I don't know, mutilated too and then put their heads on the pikes and then played football with them or something. Because it makes just about the same sense. We were just laughing so hard about all this because it's hilarious when you read just this dreadful, very, very dark propaganda and when you read all these materials and understand that these were written very seriously and no one joked about all the situation because, you know, they would be then sent to gulags. And, you know, all this, like, whatever crazy stuff we could come up with, it all sounded pretty realistic. And then, then later on, as, like, today we're sitting here and as we're reading this article... We just discovered that it basically actually at one point got to that point. Except on the socks, I had literally no idea what football was. But it's about the same level of insanity. It is so crazy that I don't even... I have no comments on this because I lack words to comment on the situation. And again, I have to remind you, this is all real. I can show you photos of the book. I can send some of you the book. I can scan it. This was official propaganda posted in newspapers and books. But it's crazy. It's just... Just wow. At any rate, here we go. Just just here we go. Stay with me, guys. This is... This is from the article, We Can't Be Silent. And it's all about the Nuremberg process, technically. So here we go. Quote, American imperialists think that the Hitlerian method was correct and that they have adopted it fully. Improving upon it, with threats of nuclear weapons and the suppression of their vassal states by putting them in the slavery of the dollar. American imperialists 
restore German and Japanese fascism and militarism. Under the flag of the United Nations, they drive soldiers into Korea. They drive them from the countries whom they have enslaved. It is terrible when I read the court materials about the Hitler and the crimes he committed and planned with his gang. But this pales in comparison to the crimes of the Americans. Turns out, the American imperialists, who had hidden fists in their pockets, they had been showing a nice face to the camp of democracy, and they had started to craft even more vile plans of mass murder. They worshipped Hitler, and his methods seemed correct to them. In fact, they explained its flaws and shortcomings with the fact that Hitler just didn't kill enough people. That which Hitler started, now Truman wants to finish while carrying God's name on his lips. Yeah. But this is not even, this is not even it, you guys. And, um, of course, there, there's the socialist response to all these accusations, like, <clears throat> Proud and undefeatable are the North Korean military forces. But Truman and Ridgway, just like Hitler in his own time, wants to, want to spit on the nations of the world and destroy all of the international laws and treaties. I, I'm just gonna give you a second to think about all the situation, cause, uh, it's hard, it's hard recording this, you know. It's not easy, it's, uh, it's just crazy. Because, dear listeners, this just marches on. Imagine this, it never stops, ever. Capitalism is evil. US is worse than Hitler. They are literally the devil. The Western world is, like, I don't know, even devil would get more sympathy in this president than the Western world. And, and they're doing whatever Hitler did, just better with more improved tools and methods. This is, this is, this is what's going on there. And this, this must be put into your head since childhood, since the moment that you're born. The people here in the USSR, we live in the best country ever, the most peaceful country, and the kindest and awesomest country, and that's about it. That is it. And there is literally nothing else. This is the truth, and you're never allowed to learn anything else. The propaganda machine is vile and strong. And, you know... Quite ignorant, too. Because things get bad, and I'm really, really ashamed that this happened, and uh, I'm worried that a lot of people really thought that this was the truth. Because not, not everyone had access to, to like, normal media, like Radio Free Europe or something. It was jammed, and, and bad things happened. But this is, this is how they brainwashed everyone, day to day. But yeah, like I said, they were ignorant, and... Uh, and we've moved, we've moved to Hitler by this point, but it's gonna get worse. Oh yeah. Here's the best excerpt that I found while reading all these documents. And it comes from another article published on Senior in 1951. And this is called A Demand for Humanity. <clears throat> Quote. A new breed of fascism has arrived in the world. Its center lies in America. From there, as previously from Hitler and Goebbels, for multiple years already, lies have been spewed out in the world in a constant stream. The American scum, like the most common thief on the market, have been spreading vicious lies and fictions about the Soviet Union, while they themselves occupy Europe with their aggressive forces, they destroy Korea, with whom they have never had any conflicts. 
It seemed that it's literally impossible to use more villainous means of torture and murder than those were the Nazis did in the land that they conquered, but the Americans in Korea are even beating Hitler to this. The horrors that they inflict are unimaginable. American aggressors supersede their Nazi teachers and their evil. Every part of my body shakes in hatred when I read a small article written by a Korean writer, Lee Gi Yen, about the monstrous actions that they have committed. And, and here she quotes that, that article. <clears throat> in the streets of the cities and villages of my fatherland, they capture innocent civilians, torture them, and then this is where the fun kicks in, flay them alive. The gorillas that become prisoners are thrown in the pits with rabid dogs. In the district of Andona, these barbarians, they killed Korean patriots by the use of poisoned snakes. In the Fanju village, these vile monsters tore out the tongues of six-year-old children just for singing patriotic Korean songs. See, look at this, look and despair on what sort of monsters the American imperialism has created. If these people still have mothers, they should pull their hair and burn them in sorrow and disgust and curse the day they gave, they gave birth to these spawns of evil. And now, after major losses, uh, major losses caused by the democratic peoples of Korea on the American filth, now Truman sends to China and Korea warriors of other kinds as well, and not just humans. He sends insects infected with typhus, cholera, and plague, flies and mosquitoes, bedbugs and ticks, spiders, mice, and crows. They must do what the American bombs cannot. They must destroy the Korean and Chinese people en masse. So yeah, you're worse than devil. Literally. It's like, I don't even know. <laughs> this just struck me so hard. Like, everyone outside is just doing terrible things, and when I said, you know, according to the Soviets, American soldiers must, like, be just playing football with the, the, dead, the heads of the dead babies which they killed, and, like, they're, they're basically hanging around playing football with dead babies' heads whose blood they have drunk for the evil Satanistic rituals. This is close enough. This is close enough, you guys. This is, this is no simple propaganda. This is, this is what, well, it was there in the press, like, all the time. And I have to remind you, this is this is not a professional propagandist. No, no, no. This is a writer who had actually written some really, really good children's stories and children's fairy tales. Uh, shout out to Singing Bones. Must do that. At any rate, uh, this, is, uh, this is how the Soviet propaganda worked. They threatened you, they paid you, they did unspeakable things to you, but uh, this is in there. It's like... I don't know, like I said, I watched SNL skits and they don't get this. You, like, parodies, parodies of Soviet depictions of America don't reach this level of, of, of crazy. And these are not some radicals, these are just the people out there, the, like, written in the official press everywhere. I'm not exactly sure how did the, didn't the Americans actually knew the Soviets. Like, I would be really angry about this, but I guess Americans had more common sense or something. And this is hilariously stupid. This is just so crazy that I just had to give this to you while even skipping my already prepared episode about Stalin, but I just had to do this. At the same time, 
It's really sad, too. I mean, I'm laughing my ass off here, but it's ridiculous. It's dreadful, and and imagine, again, this is all you hear for 70 years. For 70 years. And all those who say otherwise, they're being sent to gulags. Yeah, this is, this is how it operates. So, I don't know. This is the embodiment of Stalin's era. This is, this is what it is. And it's a hard thing for me to do. And I'm really happy that I did this show. And again, this has been recorded in bite-sized pieces because honestly, I can't stop laughing when I read all this situation because I have a dreadful, dreadful, terrible, some would say even like wicked, dark sense of humor. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, we're going to be back with a a PDRP and then we're going to have some Stalin 2 and then we're going to have some other cool episodes, but we're working on everything. And things are progressing pretty well, pretty smoothly, actually. But I want to end this episode kind of on a on a prettier note, on a better note. To finish this off up, I have to say to you that, comrades, we have found some new friends. It's an American band called Into the Breach. They're, they're a kind of a, a metalcore band, like, they're a bit scream, scream or something. But they sound really nice, I like them, I like them. And I, like I said, I found my, myself quite fond of them. So, at the end of the show, you're going to hear their composition, which is called mm, Intentional Mistrust, and they send it to me. I'm a metalhead myself, and I really like this song. It's, it's just wicked enough, and, and it's kind of, you know, thematically adjusted to the show. And, and I know these guys listen to my show, man. It's, it's amazing. And uh, it's kind of thematically adequate for the show, and I really, really hope that you will, you will appreciate this. And besides, you know, <laughs> apparently by now it's kind of cool. It's the cool new thing to do for podcasts to put songs at the end of your show. And uh, I'm really happy that some some band which I really enjoy and, and I highly recommend you check out their Facebook page and you check them out in general and listen to this song that they agreed to send me this song. And that's pretty cool. And that will uh, that will just clear my head from all the Soviet propaganda that I just just read for you and and uh, had to translate. Stalin is coming up, so is the book, and so is my next PDRP, which is going to be amazing. Because I got another special interview. I have a lot of those. But yeah, so far, so far we're working, working on everything. And I hope you enjoyed the show. До свидания, товарищ.
Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.